0: mm Hey, welcome to Two Guys, Five Movies, this is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pellicone. You're listening to episode 195 of the podcast, and we are continuing HodgePodge Halloween this week, talking about two different movies, 1990s Beyond the Door 3, and the 1981 film by Andre Zulofsky, Possession. Um, so Frank, why did you uh, choose these movies?
1: These were another two movies that I, you know, I, so look. Hodgepodge Halloween is all just me talking about like getting my shit in. Um it's like the first years of the year of the podcast all over again where I'm just like, fucking, I'm never gonna talk about this movie on the top five, I may as well talk about it now. So Yeah, uh, they're all know. all movies that um I've wanted to talk about. Um
0: We got themes though. You you develop themes that works. This is possession.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they're they're accidental. All right.
0: Uh, so, Beyond the Door 3, tell me a little bit about, uh, I'm assuming, I don't know anything about the series. I'm assuming they are disconnected for some yeah, there's, reason. Yeah, there's no series. Okay. It's,
1: just, it's like how, um you know, Zombie, whatever is um Zombie 2 in Italy because Night of the Living Dead was Zombie 1, so they were trying to just ape off of the same thing. Gotcha. Um, Beyond the Door, the first one, is a blatant Exorcist ripoff in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, was definitely made to like capitalize on the popularity of the Exorcist. Um, Beyond the Door 2 is actually a uh, Lamberto Bava movie called Shock that's retitled. Um, that's also possession, like ghostly possession, um, from moving into like a cursed house kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Beyond the Door 3 is also at its heart a movie about possession but it's more about um prophecy leading to possession like about someone's sort of like to the devil a daughter like that this person is destined to kind of be the concubine of the devil um and usher in like you know a new world um in a lot of ways there's kind of a, a lot of ties to something like hereditary in this movie Hmm. um yeah, in the sense where it's um you know in an unknown child that's kind of being led to um nefarious ends by these older um cultists that are kind of like using them to bring themselves into power um then on the other end of the spectrum you have uh, possession which is maybe not even about possession i mean Right. I think there's a lot that you can argue because a lot of it's very abstract, um, esoteric. Uh, when we were before we started talking, I was comparing it in a lot of ways to something like Nicholas Rogues Don't Look Now, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of people classify as a horror movie, but you could argue mm-hmm. that the horror is exists in like two scenes, maybe. Right. Um, whereas Beyond the Door 3 is 100%. You know, I mean, there's like some minor themes in there, but I think mostly just because it's. Um, I think Jeff Whitney just thinks it's fun to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's in 100% like a full-on horror movie. Um, So, yeah. So, I think both of them are enjoyable. Um, I don't think either one is like a masterpiece or anything, but I definitely think that they're both fun to talk about and fun to watch. And um... (laughs) Oh, God. bless you! I know. (laughs) Fucking... Jesus, solo me <laughs> it's my son's fault i don't want to like blame anything on him but he's been sick for a couple of days so i think mm-hmm. he got me like minorly sick um but my curse for like the fact that i enjoy being sick and i like missing work is that i never get like sick enough where i can like really have any like miss any time or mm. i just gotta suffer like minor <laughs> slings and arrows of sneezes and coughs mm. um so the premise of Beyond the Door 3 is there's this young woman um, whose mother is an immigrant from an eastern like Slovakia, I think, is where they say it's from. Um, she's got this weird birthmark on her stomach, which is like two entwined devil horns, which, you know, like, obviously there's nothing auspicious or whatever the opposite of auspicious is mm-hmm. about that. Um, what is the opposite of auspicious? Inauspicious. Yeah, but there's another there's a better word than an auspicious. Anyway. <laughs> darkly prophetic, I guess, I don't know. To be like a little more poetic about it. So anyway, so her and her classmates get invited on this once in a lifetime opportunity to go see an ancient like 10th century ritual being performed in Slovakia. So of course, for like English class or something, so of course like, ah, let's all go. So She is, like, kind of shit upon by her peers. Um, They're kind of mean to her. They Mm -hmm. make fun of her because she's a virgin and because she's a weirdo. Um, Her mother doesn't want her to go. Little
0: little they know about
1: those horns. Right. (laughs) Well, they'll learn. Um, Anyway, I don't want to, like, get too much into the description because that's not what these things are about. Mm -hmm. They go on the trip. Um, There's actually – so one of the things I want to talk about is – what I consider to be some pretty influential stuff in this movie, in terms of, um, just like the visual elements of it that I, I think were kind of used later. Um, the main, in particular, is there's a scene where the mother is riding in a cab, and there's a tractor trailer, like flatbed tractor trailer, that's hauling construction parts or something. I don't know, I beams maybe, um, and one of the beams comes loose. And in a very, like, reminiscent of something like um, Final Destination, um, the beam shoots through the window and (laughs) chops her head off in a very, like, gory fashion. Um, It's pretty shocking, I think, the first time you see it, especially because, like, her head just, like, explodes off of her shoulders. um, And you can kind of see, like, the neck flaps, like, flapping around. It's, It's pretty graphic. Um, but I think that I we we talked about Jeff Quinney when we did the Ice to Watch along with um our friend Orion, mm-hmm. friend of the podcast Orion. My apologies. Um, and we talked about like kind of his his visual style and his um his interest in sort of like not really giving you the entire picture of what's happening, but sort of like showing whatever. Um, And I think that there's a lot of visual, like, prowess on display here. And it's kind of sad that he only made a couple of movies um, because I think he was a talented, you know, visual director. And I think that with better script, more money, he could have, like, done some great things. Um, Mm -hmm. But this is one of the examples. Um, There's another example later um, that kind of illustrates the low budget where uh, the teens have gotten to this, you know, ancient Slovakian village. They get locked, isn't the right word. They get barricaded in their cabins, and then the cabins are set on fire. Um, And as they're all escaping from the cabins, which are made of, like, tinder and plywood, so they just, like, fall apart as soon as they start, like, kicking at them, um, their one friend is hypnotized and in bed, and he gets engulfed in the flames, and he dies, like, just sitting there. Which is a pretty mm-hmm. creepy concept, except that they use, like, the worst um, mannequin to illustrate this guy <laughs> sitting there. Right. To the point where, like, his eyes are, like, six times as wide as normal human being's eyes, so he just looks like like a dummy. So that part's pretty funny. But, I mean, like, the actual, like, the cabin burning and everything is is interesting. Mm-hmm. So the central set piece in this movie, which is the most ridiculous part, is it's not... The young girl that is necessarily possessed, even though she does sort of become kind of possessed um in a way, um it's the train they're riding on is possessed. so the European title I think of this movie is a muck train a m o k yes. train yeah. uh-huh. which is one of the most ridiculous titles um and the train is like a sentient thing, like it will go out of its way to to murder these people, including at one point jumping off the train tracks. To ride into like a swamp, yes, to kill two people that had previously gotten off of the train and then merge back onto the train tracks in order to just keep going, mm-hmm. and like the Slovakian government you know it's trying to stop it's trying to stop the amok train, like it's you know sending like cars out to park on the tracks to get blown up and then trucks to get blown up and I don't know like Mm -hmm. nothing can stop the amok train from getting to its destination which Mm -hmm. is the place where the young girl is going to be impregnated by the devil and give birth to the spawn of the devil but here's the twist at some point she had sex with a phantom deaf mute (laughs) loop playing monk Yes, and so she's not a virgin anymore Right. So now the the um ritual can't be performed and she can't be impregnated and everybody dies. It's like um uh Raiders of the Lost Ark, like the Ark of the Covenant on steroids where everybody just gets like melted and emulated and destroyed. Um and she's not like impregnated with the spawn of the devil anymore, even though maybe at the end of the movie she still might be. Maybe, like, maybe he's like lessened his standards now. He doesn't necessarily need a virgin, right? Um, and maybe, like, you know, ghost monk sex doesn't count as actually losing your virginity. Mm. Um, I don't know, but mm. it's a fun movie. Um, it's there's a lot of stuff that takes place in like the European countryside that I think is really cool. Um, and Reminds me, even though it's set in the modern age, it reminds me a lot of stuff like um like the early hammer, uh, amicus stuff, you know, like blood on Satan's claw and shit like that. Um, just in the setting of like the villages. Um there's a really cool motif where the villagers, um the cultists, I guess they're not necessarily villagers, will clack like two rocks together mm-hmm. rhythmically. Um and it's uh just a simple effect, but it creates like kind of a like a spooky and like ominous, um, I don't know, like oral soundscape that like kind of illustrates. I I'm, was I'm I'm trying to think of a, a comp to this. I think there's something in Season of the Witch, um, even though I dislike that movie where they used sound in a similar way to kind of illustrate like a, a repetitive normal sound to kind of illustrate like like the evil happening in terms of whatever.
0: That um, sounds familiar. I've only seen it the one time.
1: I couldn't necessarily, like, remember exactly what it was, but it felt, like, really familiar to me, like, that, just that idea. I mean, I think it's a really cool idea. I think that, you know, like, these pagan, like, in, with their, whatever, ancestral, like, Satan worship, um, they're just using, like, the things in nature, and that's the way that, like, they call, like, upon the power of the devil. You know, to get this train to perform superhuman feats.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um... There's actually a lot of Slovenians that aren't like Satan worshippers that are trying to help these kids because the whole thing is they're trying to escape from the village and like leave, um. But the train won't let them leave. You know, like the Slovenians are trying to help them, but the train wants to keep them, and um, people get ripped apart. Like guts are splayed all over the place. Um, yeah, just a lot, of, a lot of death until finally only what's her name? The, is it Barbara or something like that? I guess I could um guess um, just look my It's Patricia or something. Beverly. Beverly, Beverly, Beverly yeah. I got the yeah. B right. Yeah. Mary Beverly, Mary in the
0: character. Yes.
1: Oh, it's Yugoslavia. I keep slandering the Slovenians, but it's really yeah. <laughs> it's
0: Yugoslavia, yeah. They actually feel like that's the one thing I remember from that interview with Quitney from earlier in the year that we um did ICE is that um I think this was actually during the uh, civil war over there, if I remember. I meant to go back and reread that interview with him, but <clears throat> I know it was during the Civil War, and I remember they got like people for really cheap, like in terms of extras and stuff. <clears throat> so again, it's one of those movies that is. There's nothing really deep
1: about it. Um, I think there's some really good visuals in it, mm-hmm. um, and there's definitely good use of like practical effects on like a budget. Um, but it's not going to blow your mind. It's not the greatest movie ever, but it's entertaining, and um, I think it's worth watching. And it's
0: free, like several places, I believe. Um so uh, no. Wait. It's it's um it's actually on AMC plus right now. Um or oh. so shutter, I guess probably. And then but it's also on AMC Plus. So Well, uh, wait, wait until November after Halloween's over and it'll be free everywhere again. Wait until after we release this podcast and it'll be free everywhere. Um <laughs> that's how it goes. <clears throat> we're trendsetters, buddy. <laughs> it feels that way sometimes. Um especially with the horror stuff for some reason. But <clears throat> Uh yeah um this movie and possession right now are both on like Shutter AMC Plus so it's um you know if you want to watch them uh they're both both there uh, yeah I like Sheila Goldberg's script here like it, to me is like I mean look this is just a fun little movie to watch that's well filmed and has some really cool and interesting ideas at times but i mean that script kind of like falls apart like oh yeah 30 minutes into it or so like i'm I, i've watched it twice now because i felt like i didn't give it its proper due like after like the half hour mark and i swear to god watching it the second time the same thing happened where it's like i felt like i was zoning out like randomly after they get on the train basically yes. um there's there's a lot in the last 15 minutes again i pick it back up like it's almost like i'm yeah back with it again
1: there's a large chunk of shit that Mm -hmm. happens in that train because they're only like moving between like three train cars Mm -hmm. and it feels interminable um and then you get to like the monk ghost monk sex and um right then they kind of like is that their final moments and yeah the end of the movie kind of moves at a fast pace
0: um it's a it's kind of a mixed bag from a cinematography standpoint like there's some really really neat and cool shots um that look really good i will say that i think that the uh the sets are pretty good overall um and i really like um i really like the color schemes in it which is something that i i noticed from ice to this um i think that i, I think he develops like a really good like color palette that he works with because even though ice doesn't have the there's not the greatest transfer ever like i really like like the the whites and the blues and the reds and all of that of iced and um i really like the color schemes in this as well um it looks uh particularly the stuff that's shot in america uh, i'm assuming it was shot in america i didn't look that up but um looks really good and then like i think when they first get over like when they're traveling and they get over to the village all that stuff really looks really good i love the i guess she's a witch that they encounter um yeah yeah the
1: the i don't know um baba yaga style like yep Mhm.
0: I really like all that stuff a lot. Um and um yeah, there there there's some pretty there's some pretty neat stuff uh like in this movie that I like a lot. Um <clears throat> but yeah, the that's the only thing is like uh the story itself um uh kind of falls apart at some point and 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 it's still fun cuz it gets silly but um I can't imagine I, I watch it again in my life, but I mostly enjoyed watching, and I think that um, it's a shame. Like, Whitney only does, like, one more movie after this, I think, right?
1: Uh, if I remember correctly. I don't know. What else was there?
0: <clears throat> I could be wrong. Um, uh, let's see. I think he does, like, a drama or something. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah, something lightning in a bottle. Um, I don't know anything about it. Charlotte Ferber gets into an accident in which a man loses his life. She suffers amnesia, and everybody thinks the man was drunk and therefore responsible. Um, even his own wife, uh, who befriends Charlotte, um, but it is disturbed to find out that Charlotte was actually drunk and caused the um traffic accident. You know what? That's the same fucking plot as that. Uh, Christina Applegate, uh, What's her name? The girl who played Lindsay in Freaks and Geeks, uh, that show that's on Netflix. Oh, that's like Garofalo. No, not Garofalo. Um, uh, how the fuck do I remember yeah. Lindsay Weir? But I can't remember. Um, yeah, the actual actress's name. Right. Um... Sorry, it starts with a C, right? But it's Lin- Linda Cardinelli. That's Cardinelli, it. right? Good job. Um, so <laughs> yeah, but that's the exact same plot as that. Um, of that movie. Oh uh, yeah, Linda it's also Carter. the plot of that um, Linda Carter, Dee Wallace, and Martin Cove. That's a good. Uh, that's, a good that's 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 something right there.
1: Um, it's so the plot yeah, of that Arrested Development episode too. Kinda, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, where Lucille keeps knocking. Yep. Um, yeah,
0: yep, that's Michael yeah. out. So uh-huh. he won't remember that he she was right. the one that caused the accident. It's true. Uh yeah, so that was his fourth movie, and then there was a legal alien that came before. Uh, iced. Hmm. Um, so I, um so, I don't know if lightning in the bottle is anywhere, but yeah, it was an enjoyable movie. So, um, like I said, I think so was, and he's
1: still making. Um, he has a zine, I guess. I don't know what else you would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, that he updates pretty regularly, and he's really responsive to like um emails. Mm-hmm. Um, I emailed him and he responded right away, and he was really like friendly and um open to just you know whatever conversation. So really decent dude. Yeah. Um.
0: And uh, just trying to think. Uh, just recently put out a book. Um, uh, Falling Stars Over Belgrade. um, um and then there's his newsletter. So. Mm. Um, have not had an opportunity to read that book yet, but <clears throat> did you buy uh, it? Yeah, I bought it back in January when. Oh, nice. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. That's the new book that he has coming out. Desolation Lake was the book that he had out at the time. That's the one that I bought and I have not read yet. So he has another one out. So. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, Possession. Um, yeah. Out of, I guess, like all the movies, um, this isn't the one I enjoyed the most, but it was the one I was most surprised by, I think because I wasn't i was expecting like more of a standard possession movie, and that is not what this is whatsoever um so what is it that you um that you wanted to talk about this so much
1: so possession is one of those movies that. This is the first time you'd ever seen it. Is that correct? Yes. Possession is a movie that, like, was in every video store ever back in the 80s. And I know that, like, some of my friends when I was a kid, like, we would talk about this, like, shared experience of watching Possession in the sense that you kind of... um. He kinda of picked it up and like rented it because it's it sounded sort of cool and then like had no idea what the fuck to make of it. <laughs>
0: uh
1: huh. Um and then obviously like I've I've seen this movie now a few times and I like it enough to want to talk about it, but I still don't know if I exactly know what to make of it. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll tell you we'll talk like briefly about the setup to the movie, the premise, and then I'll tell you like what my idea is and then you can tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, Sam Neill is a, a Cold War era spy, like operating in uh, like East Berlin, I think is where this is set, right? Something like that. Oh, um,
0: that's I'm terrible with like settings and shit they're, like they're in like, the West Berlin, yeah,
1: West Berlin, right? They're in the yeah. democratic side of, mm-hmm. of Germany.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: this is during like the height of the Cold War, so there still is the Berlin Wall. Um, Neil has kind of come home and sort of abandoned his job as a spy um, because his wife is threatening to leave him. Um, His wife played by uh, what's her name? Isabella Johnny. They um, she's become like really detached. He accuses her of cheating on him, which she denies, but then confirms um, he becomes like emotionally unhinged, uh, kind of swaying between like violently abusive, um, emotionally manipulative, uh, both from like, uh, threatening to take their kid away, um, threatening to harm himself. I don't know. He's like a, a pretty terrible human being like throughout the entire course of this movie. Um, Yes, She has been taken in by, I always describe him like when I think about it as um, like Mystic Hippie Hyper Ninja kind of like, like this, <laughs> like Ming the Merciless guy that kind of is both uh, um, like a guru style um, new age dude and like Bruce Lee. Like mm-hmm. he's got some definite, um, like Taekwondo in him. Um, the scene where Sam Neill goes to confront him at the apartment, and he's just trying to be Sam Neill's friend, and like Sam tries to beat him up, and he like has to like like judo throw him all over the place, right? Give <clears throat> Sam Neill like internal fucking bleeding, which uh, is like a fantastic scene. Yeah. Um. So for the first part of the movie, like that, this is what's happening. You know, it's, um, I would call it like a sort of typical, um, 70s psycho, like psychosexual romance Mm -hmm. intrigue drama because there's nothing really else like going on beyond is she crazy? Is he crazy? Right. What's the deal with her, you know, her lover? Because sometimes she acknowledges
0: them, sometimes she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like the mystery element of like her being there or not being there. You know, I mean, like yeah,
1: yeah. And there's like private detectives hired to follow her, and mm-hmm. just saw all all these things are happening. Sure, and it's all very um actually feels very like Nicholas Rogue. You know, like that's that's kind of what it did the right the, the sort of general feeling like like you're watching like Bad Timing or something. Mm-hmm. But then um ironically um she's uh fucking a tentacle, tentacle de- monster. Yeah, yeah that, that like lives in this tenement house that I guess <laughs> like they used to live in when they were younger or she used to live in or something. Like it's yeah. like some like old yeah. house of one of theirs. Right. Um that's slowly growing into a uh, doppelganger of him kind mm-hmm. of um, yeah. and murders people and she murders people and they put him in the refrigerator I don't know uh, like all that shit is ridiculous there's also another doppelganger aspect where the woman that is like the kindergarten teacher to their son or like babysitter kind of to their son mm-hmm. um, is her but with a wig and none of like her hang ups. Like just like right. a perfectly idealized version. Yes.
0: Including a different hair color. Yeah, the type of... who wants to be a housewife and right. like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: So here's my thinking on this movie. Um, and this is probably like the most like base um boring read on it, but It's like your one teacher, Kotzel, right? His interpretation of the wasteland.
0: (laughs) Yes. It's about divorce.
1: (laughs) It's just a movie about divorce. It's just a movie about how infidelity and career and whatever, like all these things can change you as a person and how that change can affect your loved ones and the people around you and your children and your life and... Can make people who are normally like upstanding, decent people into villains, kind of. Um, And how you can really have like multiple, I mean, not multiple personalities necessarily in like the traditional sense, but you can have like, you know, you can contain multitudes, I guess. Like you can Mm -hmm. have different elements inside you that can come out in different ways. And it's love and lust and desire and. Um, unrequited, you know, missed opportunity, and like all those things. Mm-hmm. And I think that every scene in this movie, Neil and Ajani are playing different elements of the same of their characters, right? Like, like when she's fucking tentacle beast, demonoid Sam <laughs> Neil, like in the tenement house. Mm-hmm. That's just, like, you're breaking up with somebody and you have, like, a hate fuck with them, right? Like, you're Mm -hmm. no longer sleeping with, like, the best part of that person that you loved. You're just gaining pleasure from, like, the worst part of the person, you know, that you no longer care for, right? Like, to me, like, Mm -hmm. that's, like, what all that stuff is.
0: Is it just... Right. Well, I mean, like, doesn't... I mean, it's not too long before that that she... They do have sex, correct? Like, her and... Sam Neill, is that right? Yes. In the kitchen at that one point? Yeah. And then, like, he goes and follows her, and that's when he sees her fucking the tentacle demon. Yeah. Okay. I, I hear you. Go that's, on. I mean, and
1: because uh, there's nothing in it that lends it to be, like, real. Like, it's not right. like there really is, like, some demon creature manifesting itself. Right, right. Um, um, I'm sorry. You're watching me text. I'm answering. We're having a crisis at work. Hmm. I'm fucking responding to some emails real quick because I don't want to keep getting like dinged. Right.
0: So I, I mean, I think, I think by the end, like you know, so the end of this movie, like what ends up happening is, um, there's like a a chase, like you know, like and like all through the city and stuff like that and like like the fully formed demon doppelganger of Mark um you know is with Diana and then Mark actually shows up and he like raises the gun um Mark, you know Mark's doppelganger or whatever like raises the gun and then they get like shot down in like by the police um and like i i don't know like what that like is all about like necessarily like from symbolically i suppose um so yeah it definitely because it's like all like tied up like in symbolism like i don't this isn't all real um i took the demon thing as so i don't think any of it's real just so you know
1: i mean i think think the fact 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 they're getting divorced like
0: i mean and all that kind of stuff is real but i mean i think i think it's from his point of view Honestly, um, really, like I think it's from the Mark point of view. Um, and I think he, I think she's having an affair. I, I think he's basically, it's like a, it's almost like a statement on him becoming, like losing his mind, um, having been cheated on. Like, uh, I do know enough to know that, um, 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 stilofsky or whatever is, like really did have like a pretty nasty divorce and like he did actually come home and find his child like covered in jam which is an early scene in this where the mark character comes home and finds his child has been abandoned for a couple days um so that's based on reality i think this is all through mark's perspective and it's him dealing with the in psychologically with the notion that um uh, he's been cheated on that his wife really has a, like kind of like abandoned like their um their marriage and wants to get a divorce and so like the to me it's like the demonic tentacle beast is um is like an imagined like you know of like he has to imagine her lover as like a demon um in some way and that, she, you know, and then it's it's almost like a Othello, Othello, like this idea of like you know he wants he wants the ocular proof and stuff like that, and it's like, um, he's already imagining it in his mind, like Desdemona, like um, getting railed. <laughs> so it's like, and it's and, and like once you have that imagination, you can't unsee it, and like that's his like kind of like imagination of the whole thing, um, and that she is looking for a better version of him, like a more idealized version. of of him ultimately because somebody that will be like there all the time and because he can't be because he's a spy and like you know so it it all does feel like to me like it's from his perspective um and that maybe he could find an idealized version of her that like wants to be that housewife and wouldn't step out on him and like all these other things so I saw it from being from Mark's perspective of basically him losing his mind and um that's kind of how I saw it but I I know that there's interpretations too about like East and West Germany as Oh no, yeah, like... I don't care about any of that. That's not. Right, I don't point. understand that enough. I think to.
1: So counterpoint, I think that the movie is told from alternating perspectives between the two of them, mm. and I think the key is determining by their actions. Mm-hmm. So when he's unhinged, I think you're seeing it from her perspective, mm. like when he's getting his ass beat by you know the the mandarin in like the apartment i think that's her thinking about what's happening to him confronting her lover like the idealized version of the man that she's now having sex with beating the ass of like the guy that she's been in a relationship with mm-hmm. but like and like when he's in the rocking chair like flopping back and forth and like making like weird like sweaty googly eyes mm-hmm. that's her imagining like what he's doing or her interpretation of like what how he's behaving because in a lot of those scenes, she's very calm and, you know, controlled. And then the next scene, she'll be like out of her mind and making ridiculous statements and, you know, cutting herself or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's flipping back to his perspective. So mm-hmm. I think I, I think it's an examination of how a situation can be perceived by the people in it in like different ways, mm-hmm. okay, cool. just depending on their own, you know. Yeah, personal investment in the situation itself. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um,
0: I think they're like I think this is extremely well filmed. Like, I don't know. Are you familiar with any of his work outside of this? Do you know? Um,
1: no. I really want to see. I can not remember what it's called? Devil or something like that from like early seventies. Um, I've really always wanted to see that, but I've never. I I don't know for whatever reason. I just never have. Gotcha. Um I
0: don't think i've even i don't think i've seen any of his other movies yeah um I, I i the the thing that I was most impressed with i mean i think as a story like as a movie I think this is good with some really great scenes in it um and i i think i think it's like twenty minutes too long <laughs> uh I would probably like trim this down to like an hour forty where I think it's like just over two and <clears throat> Uh, I I kind of like you know got a, like a a little if it had been more body horror I kind of got it like a little bit of like Cronenberg vibes off of this too, um particularly in the sense of like you know kind of like starting from a real place like a divorce and trying to go into the horror aspect of things um with yeah. it, but I really think this is extremely well filmed yeah and yeah. like it's like a real like art house piece kind of like you know it's like a I hate to see, say this term because like it's not like horror movies aren't real movies, but it's like this is like a real movie, like this is a real director like that like understands what he's doing. Um, And there's some really disturbing stuff, and I think it's a really good performance by Sam Neill, who's a guy I'm not too high on a lot of times. Yeah. Like I think he overacts, but to it kind of reminds me, maybe that's why he got cast in the mouth of madness now that I think about it, because like, like that craziness of him in the rocking chair when he's like mm-hmm. sitting there, like I, that's a excellently like, done scene, like, um, the scene with her where she's like, starts bleeding and shit like that. And like, you know, um, is like, like the, the spinning of the camera, um, during that scene with her, like all that stuff is so well done. And they're really like, kind kind of like iconic images that kind of stick in your mind. Um, what a couple weeks now after I've seen it, like, I still find myself thinking about certain ways things are shot and certain sequences in that film, um, The way he shoots it, I guess it's probably pretty famous in terms of the interpretation of the, the Germanys, but when they're uh, at the restaurant and they're like um sitting kind of like at the corner booths separate from one another, but like back to back and he films overhead in a like a like a close bird's eye. Um, All that stuff is really well done, like, you know how he does it really excellent filmmaking here. Yeah. And. Um I was really impressed with it uh from that so, aspect and I thought it was an interesting kind of what the hell is going on here type thing. Oh.
1: I also think it's interesting like as I don't know if you want to call it an artifact but like anytime you can see a film that takes place in an area that's been like irre- irrevocably altered in some way so like seeing like that germany that's like a decade you know away from being like a unified country again and seeing the um the streets the architecture the way the people are like all this stuff i think is really fascinating mm-hmm. um and also it was you know being filmed in the time when the cold world cold war was a very real thing so there's all that tension all that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. drama that we were very young, like when it happened, but I, you know, I still kind of remember it. Um,
0: Ooh. From when I was a kid, what, what do I, was you just, went... I, was, I was just looking at it like his Wikipedia page, and like I saw that he was, uh, I guess he was with Sophie Marceau like for like 15 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And, but then I like looked at like the years and I was like, yeah, she was nineteen and he was forty five. So. Yeah, she was pretty pretty young when
1: they first started. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, okay. Well she he had an affair with the Johnny too right? Um, did he? I didn't I, I didn't so. I didn't look that deep. I just I pulled him up to just see like his movies again, but yeah, I hadn't like looked into him that deeply um at all. Uh yeah, not I um, relationships and stuff, but so whatever.
1: I was really interested because it's I don't know, it's just again one of those things where this is a movie I saw when I was young. Mm-hmm and like it really like like deeply affected me when I first saw it and then Mm -hmm. I don't want to say I forgot about it but it definitely you know it kind of did like sort of go away um and then I would like see it again you know maybe like several years later and then I would kind of forget about it a little bit but to your point there are scenes that um they do always stick in your mind somewhat um and I've I don't know I just have never like explored this guy but I do want to see the devil um, and then, I don't know, maybe I'll check out some other stuff. I'm sure if I want to spend $72 a month and resubscribe to the Criterion channel, I could, um, right? All this stuff's
0: on there, probably. Yeah, yeah. he seems like that type. But, um, but yeah, but no, this was, um, this was a really surprising movie, and um, it like uh, it kept me really engaged, like where you know, I like to talk about zoning out of like something like um, Beyond the Door. Like, I, I found myself engaged even though it was two hours and I was a little tired. Um because of that length, um, just because there's like so much like visually going on and like there's so much mystery. Like I said, I think it could be cut down, but I um I was engaged the entire time, um ultimately, and uh it's the thing that actually definitely held my interest the most, even if it wasn't the thing I enjoyed the most out of like the like movies that you're talking about this month. Um uh, definitely I think worth seeing if you're a film fan.
1: So, we haven't done the last episode yet, like full disclosure, but what what was your favorite movie out of
0: all the ones you saw this My, one? most of the? most the one I enjoyed the most. Um, yeah. the one I enjoyed the most, like watching again, probably uh, as a surprise and thinking I wouldn't would be in the next episode. Mm, um, yeah. uh, but I, I really returned I enjoyed return of the living Dead, um watching that again. Um, out of the new things I had seen, uh, my favorite to watch was Kill Baby Kill. Um, the best movie, I think, out of all of them that was new to me was this movie, Possession. Yeah. It was the best, but not the most enjoyable. Um, but out of the new stuff that I, I hadn't seen, Kill Baby Kill probably was I'm the gonna best.
1: ask. I'm going to ask you a question off air. Mm-hmm um and then if i'm right we'll talk about it in the final episode and if i'm not we'll never mention it again
0: okay so um so we'll we'll do that all fair um so next week um if you want to join us for episode 196 in the last uh episode of hodgepodge halloween and want to join along with us to watch these movies uh we will be talking about 1987's the monster squad um directed by fred decker and 1997's The Butcher Boy, directed by Neil Jordan. Um, Monster Squad is uh, currently on Paramount Plus. The Butcher Boy, unfortunately, looks like it is uh, rent only right now uh, $2.99 on Prime or YouTube. Um, so we'll be or talking on, about... hmm? on,
1: on DVD and my PS5 at present.
0: Um, you're. Uh... I
1: don't even know what you are, Frank. I've owned um, this movie on DVD since 1999. I just want to let you know. Really? Yeah, I'm oh. an OG. I'm an I'm an OG <laughs>
0: butcher boy <laughs> yeah. lover. Um. So, and we might be starting off um next week when you hear us, uh, about this question that Frank's going to ask me off air. So, um, I hope you enjoyed tonight. Uh, I guess uh, by the time this is released, let's see. Uh, no, it won't be Halloween yet. So, all right. Um. Hopefully see you next week. Thanks for listening. Deuces.